So each time the distance doubles, for example, if we go 10 times further, we're going to get a signal that is weaker by 1 over 10 squared, so 1 over 100. That's how much the signal weakens. So by the time the signal reaches us, over 1.3 billion light years, it's weakened so much. And since gravity is the weakest force of the four fundamental forces, these signals are very weak in strength. So what happens is the technology was there now. 20, 30 years ago, it's possible they could have been detected, but the technology was there. So now there's going to be a mad race on to develop gravitational wave detectors. Okay, so this, I guess, is my explanation of a gravitational wave. A gravitational wave is maybe some kind of form of energy that is released when two black holes collide or when a neutron star spins. When the gravitational wave is released, it warps the space around it. Now, after it travels 1.3 billion years, we receive that signal. It's much, much weakened. So the strength of the signal is very, very slight. And the amount of warping is very, very slight. So this was just quite an amazing find. So this is Marco. You're listening to Astro Talk. When I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about gravitational waves and the exact find. So stay tuned. I'll be back in a few minutes. we celebrate our diversity and culture and CITR is making fun drive all about it our goal this year is to raise funds to help grow more writers broadcasters and media producers increasing the unique voices that grace our airwaves whether it's about specific cultural communities musical genres or alternative news we want to hear it be a part of CITR's community donate get cool swag and party with us the telethon goes live on February 25th, but the online donation page is up now. Go to citr.ca slash donate. Welcome to uh, Astro Talk. You're back with Marco on CITR 101.9. I'm sorry, the board keeps turning itself off today, so I'll try to repeat what I just said. So what is a gravitational wave? Well, what happens when two black holes merge, like what happened last November? These... This was data from last November when two black holes merged. The announcement was made on February of this month. So when two black holes merged, one was 36 solar masses, one was 29 solar masses. The resulting black hole merger left a black hole that was 62 black hole or 62 solar masses in mass. And three solar masses were radiated away as a gravitational wave. Well, what's a gravitational wave? Well, that's hard to describe, but this is what a gravitational wave does. When we receive the signal after it traveled 1.3 billion light years, it came through our atmosphere or 
they're building observatories now that can look at through space. But the observatories on Earth, one is in Louisiana, one is in, one is in Washington State, Hanford. So what happens as the gravitational wave passes through space, it will warp the uh, space in front of it in a certain direction. The space directly behind it will be warped in the opposite direction. The amount of warping is very slight because a gravitational wave out of the four fundamental forces of nature, there's gravity and is the weakest one. So it's traveled 1.3 billion light years. If you have something, a signal, and you, um, you send off the signal. If I'm standing 10 feet away, I will receive the strength of the signal. Now, if I move uh, 20 feet away, the distance is doubled. So instead of standing 10 feet away from the signal, now I'm standing 20 feet away. So we're going to, the signal will fall off, not by half, by one quarter, because we're going to take one over two squared. So that's what happens when things travel through space. Their strength is diminished by one over the distance squared. So if I'm standing at 10 feet, I listen to a signal. Then I move to 20 feet, that's twice the distance. So the signal is going to diminish, diminish in intensity by one quarter because I've doubled the distance. So it's one over two squared. So when these gravitational waves travel one point, from 1.3 billion light years away, they're very weak, and gravity is the weakest of the four fundamental forces, so it's a very weak signal. It took until now to get the technology to detect this. But again, talking about Einstein's space-time, um, mass warp space, and so do gravitational waves. So as a gravitational wave moves at the speed of light through a medium, for example, our atmosphere, then um, it'll warp the space in front of it and then warp the space behind it in different directions. The warping is slight, but these detectors can measure it. So now we have gravitational waves which have been theorized for 100 years. It came from a signal called GW150914. It's a waveform that was detected on the 14th of, the, of September. It matched the predictions of general relativity for the inward spiral and the merger of the pair of black holes. And the ring down, what well, this is what it's called, the merger, it resulted in a single black hole. And it was the first sighting of a gravitational wave. So this was by LIGO. Uh, I'll get that to you, what LIGO stands for. Uh, here it is. Uh, LIGO, where is it? I have it here. No, I don't. Okay. Anyway, a LIGO observatory in Hanford, Washington, and in Louisiana. So what we have now is a striking, uh, amazing discovery um, that will let us probe the heart of singularities of black holes, of neutron stars, and uh, in a way that we could not before because visual telescopes or telescopes that will detect light, they uh, cannot see into a black hole. Black holes do not uh, radiate light away. The light goes in, it doesn't come out. So there's nothing we can see directly in a black hole. We can infer properties of the black hole by examining how it affects things that orbit around it. So we can see that. But when a neutron star twirls, when black holes collide, when a supernova erupts, these produce detectable 
gravitational waves. So what is a gravitational wave? Hard to explain because I'm not an expert. And even though I've been, I've, I read up about black holes, um, things like that, I'm really not sure what a gravitational wave is, but I do know that this all has to do with Einstein's general theory of relativity and the general theory, uh, sorry, blah, blah, blah. The special theory of relativity had to do with the speed of light. What happens when things travel at the speed of light? How do we observe it? What happens to distances, times, things like that? But the general theory of relativity had to do with gravity and large masses. So now with this discovery, we can probe black holes more. This is Marco. You're listening to AstroTalk on 101.9. And remember, next week is our famous fun drive. This is Marco. You're listening to AstroTalk. When you join Balloon Club, we guarantee that you will be able to make a balloon poodle within the first day. Here at the UBC Ant Club, we just like to talk about ants and compare ant farms. Uh, it's really cool. Paperclip Club is all about, well, paperclips mostly. At Blah Club, you can blah blah, blah 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 blah. Explosions. There's only one club worth joining at UBC, and that's CITR 101.9 FM. We got free tickets to shows, whirly pops, professional help in all types of audio engineering, passes to festivals, crazy parties, live band swag, all types of crazy people. Our programming manager rides a motorcycle. There's freestyle rapping, Nardwar, the human serviette, the vinyl and record libraries, Discord or magazine, free studio recording, and it sure beats the hell out of Paperclip Club, which is a thing that I just made up because I work at CITR. So come check us out on the floor of the Student Union Building. We got all types of crazy sh** for you to do. Or check us out online at www.citr.ca. CITR 101.9 FM. You're listening to Astro Talk with Marco, the best astronomy program on the planet. Put it in your purse and call. On the telephone, she heard my voice. Tell me to pick it up in my Rolls Royce. My Rolls Royce is not for ladies. Then I'm gonna take you in my Mercedes. If my Mercedes would have full of disease. Then I'm gonna take you in my fight. This is Marco on Astro Talk. So coming back I'm going to try to let's say read from the paper and try to talk about what exactly is space time what is gravity what what are all these things that Einstein talked about okay so the idea of a gravitational wave began with Einstein's theory of general relativity and his realization that gravity was just simply the warping of fabric of space time by massive objects so we would think that a lot of us, especially in the vacuum of space, that there's nothing in that space. There's minuscule amount of atoms, so there's nothing. But actually, space has property and has properties. And Einstein called this 
space-time or the fabric of space-time. There's lots of quantum mechanical things that go on in empty space. Atoms pop, or, th or uh, uh, little objects pop in and out of existence. So there's a lot of violent things happening in vacuum of space every second. So space is not an empty thing like we thought it was. It has properties, and one of the properties is it's like a fabric. And it is can be warped. So the fabric of space-time can be warped. In gravity, uh, we're um, used to every day. For example, I'm sitting here in this chair, and we're, I'm standing on the Earth, so it's attracting me. I guess the microphone, I'm attracting it, and it's attracting me. So that's one of the properties of gravity. Everything attracts everything else in the universe. So this was uh, Newton's concept of gravity, but Einstein had a different uh, concept. So Einstein figured out that massive moving objects would create ripples in this fabric. So uh, object that is just stationary, it's like a uh, like the sun. We can say it's like a bowling ball. We put it on a on a on a big sheet of latex. It will dent this uh, sheet. So that's how the sun dents space around it. So anything that travels close to the sun, it will move on the lines created by this denting or this warping of space time. Space time. So Einstein figured out that massive moving object would create ripples in the fabric of space-time, like a child's bouncing on a trampoline or a big bowling ball on a sheet of latex. And if these uh, objects were moving, when they create ripples in this fabric of space-time, these ripples would propagate at the speed of light throughout the universe. So that's where we came in a few months ago. They detected one of these ripples in the fabric of space-time. So the observatory called LIGO, I'll get, I'll get that to you later. I'm trying to look what LIGO stands for. Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory, and that's what LIGO is. So it has two equal L-shaped arms where a, laser, where a laser sits and a device splits the laser beam into two. So the light is sent out racing towards mirror at the end of this big equal length L-shaped arm. Normally, light takes the same amount of time to travel back and forth along those both arms. And, but scientists can study the laser's pattern to test this. So in usual uh, um, uh, circumstance, when there is no gravitational wave passing through, uh, the light would be split and it will travel along each of these arms. And when it reaches the end and they merge again, they would be in phase. So there'd be nothing different about the light. But what happens when there's a gravitational wave being sent through, it warps the light of one of these, and the peaks and the troughs of the light waves do not line up. So again, light is a wave, just like a gravitational wave is a wave shape. Now what happens when uh, space is warped from a gravitational wave, for instance, then one of these uh, laser beams of light will be warped a bit. So it will arrive at a different phase or a different time even though traveling at the speed of light, it's very slight, but the peaks and the trough don't match up, and there is a interference pattern. So, um, so when the gravitational wave passes through, the bunching and squeezing of space-time. So remember, I said bunching and squeezing. So when a gravitational wave passes through space-time or through the fabric of space-time or through space, it will squeeze waves in different directions in the in the front of the wave, it will uh, expand the wave. Behind, it'll squeeze it. And 
this stretches one arm while compressing the other, changing the distance that the light has to travel. Now this is quite ingenious. When the laser beams rejoin, scientists can see the interference in the light's pattern, a jarring mismatch of peaks and valleys that spill the secrets of gravitational wave. So there's lots of noise. For example, if a tree falls, they can hear that. If a earthquake, it will, they can really hear that. If cars are riding on the highway, they can hear that. So the new, the new generation of gravitational wave uh, detectors, I believe, many of them will be built underground or in space. So a car speeding along a highway, a fallen tree, a, children, a child laughing, someone jumping in a swimming pool, uh, a dog running, these can all be picked up by these detectors. So what ha happens is these scientists can have to stiff, sift through the static noise or the static of the local noise that can jiggle the mirrors and mar the signal. So I'll go on now. That starts chirp, believe it or not, or when um, black holes merge, they chirp as well. So what's a chirp? Well, hopefully I'll get into that soon. Okay, so stars supernova explosions, the fading glow of the light from the Big Bang, send off gravi gravitational waves. Just like when two black holes collide, they send off gravitational waves. That's quite, quite interesting. I got to look into this because I can explain a bit what a gravitational wave does, but I'm not really sure exactly what a gravitational wave. So when these things collide, they give off um, frequencies of gravitational waves. Now the one that uh, from the colliding black holes they give off a hum or they give off a chirp that is 10,000 ti 10, times deeper than a whale song. This is too deep for some observatories to hear. So for example the neutron star, it's a corpse of a, of a dying star. It's a couple times bigger more massive than the sun as uh, crammed into a city-sized sphere. Their chirps, when these neutron stars are formed, when the matter comes crashing in, they chirp at frequencies more or less within the range of a piano. And the observatories on Earth can hear that. So this is one of the things about this new science. What happens with this new science is it's a hard-fought breakthrough. And after 100 years of the discovery of the general theory of relativity and gravitational wave, this only marks the beginning of an entirely new race rather than the finish line. So confirming the existence of the gravitational wave is like finding the switch on a flashlight after fumbling uh, inside a pitch black cave for it. Now that we know that gravitational waves exist, now that we know, now that we know how to switch on this flashlight, we can use this information to reveal the once hidden features in the universe. But the gravitational detectors of the future will refine our newly discovered sense of broadening the range of the technical, gravi the technical gravitational waves like we have now and pinpointing their sources. So what this means is um, this uh, detection of a gravitational wave is a hard fart breakthrough but it marks only the beginning of an entirely new race rather than the finish line. So today's ground-based instruments like LIGO, another one called Virga, Virgo, observed high-frequency gravitational waves. But sometimes when gravitational waves are um, come from a black hole merger, they come at a much lower frequency.
So we need quieter places that are sheltered from disturbances and a mosquito flying could distort the gravitational wave. So what's happened now, we're only starting. We're looking at a merger of black holes. It was detected at a certain frequency. And just like light, light gives off different frequencies, gravitational waves come in different frequencies. So they chirp at different frequency. A neutron star that's just the size of a city but twice as massive as our sun, they chirp at a frequency within the range of a piano. And the stellar mass black hole collision that was announced last week falls into the similar range. So many of these, uh, like for example, the birth of the universe, the, or yeah, the Big Bang, there's a fading afterglow. It gives off a certain frequency of light. Gravitational waves were connected, were, were uh, not connected, were, were made at, at, at the Big Bang. They were created. When a supernova explodes, it gives off gravitational waves. When black holes form, when black holes collide, there's lots of things. When a neutron star spins, they all give off gravitational waves, but they're of different frequencies. So what happens now is uh, many of the gravitational waves that are out there cannot be detected. The new generation of gravitational waves will detect these things. So guess what? These gravitational wave observatories can also hear phone calls. Okay, so what was Einstein's favorite famous theory all about? Well, it was 100 years ago, 100-year anniversary, and isn't it amazing that his thing came through? Well, as I said before, in the 1930s, Einstein came to the conclusion that gravitational waves did not exist. He went through a lot of different math, a lot of soul-searching, and he wanted to publish it, but he was dissuaded. So in the end, he said, yes, they do exist. Okay, so now we're at a new era, and... Uh, but this is only a hard-fought breakthrough. This is the mark of a beginning of an entirely new race rather than the finish line. So just like in 1987 in the Southern Hemisphere, supernova 1987A, lots of neutrinos were detected. A rain of neutrinos came down on Earth, and this spawned the creation of a whole new generation of neutrino telescopes. So this is just the beginning. We have a gravitational wave. We have liftoff. It's exciting time. It's a new science. There is surely a Nobel Prize that will come from this. So what scientists are doing now, they have already started, but they're going to start on other projects. They're going to build uh, gravitational wave detectors where uh, I'm going to quote somebody called Martin Huiston a pathfinder scientist from Europe. We want to make this place where we're going to put their telescope in outer space the quietest place in the solar system. If we are able to do that, we can build a gravitational wave detector in the future that can detect gravitational waves on a whole new level. Okay, so this is um, an amazing discovery. It's like finding a new frequency of light because Visible light, we are able to see in X-ray, in um, uh, infrared, in visible light, in UV. There's all kinds of telescopes that can detect visible phenomena in the universe. There's lots of space-based obs observatories. 
but we could never see into a black hole. It was difficult to detect a neutron star. If it's not, if its axis is not spinning at us, we can't see it. I believe that's true. <laughs> but anyway, lots of these phenomena with these heavy objects, we cannot see them. And that was one of the problems with, well, I don't know if it's a problem. It was a difficulty with um, the science of black holes. You can infer properties of the black hole by um, seeing how it affects an object which is visible that is rotating around the black hole. So that was one way to study black holes before. But now, with this detection or discovery or detection of gravitational waves, it will allow scientists to test the fundamental concepts of black hole theory, since these signals can last very long and will allow us to sample space-time around a black hole with unprecedented precision. So this is the key now. This is all boils down to Einstein's theory of general relativity and uh, had to do with heavy masses and the warping of space-time around these masses. So this is an exciting time. Scientists can now, as they said, can sample space-time around a black hole with unprecedented precision. So as the discovery of the, or no, the announcement by Heinrich, no, by James Clerk Maxwell in 1865 that light could travel in waves, that later had to wait for the invention of the radio transmitter. And look what that did. A lot of things, for example, our radio signal travel in waves to satellite, and they travel back. All kinds of things travel in waves. So this amazing discovery that light could travel in waves, we have all this new technology. We do not know yet what this new technology or this new discovery will lead. We have a, we have a gravitational wave. It's been confirmed. Einstein was right. There are gravitational waves. So scientists have been looking for a long time, and there was a Nobel Prize awarded in 1993, I believe, for the, uh, for the theory that gravitational wave exists and the refinement of this theory. Now, is it possible a new Nobel Prize is waiting, just like last year when they discovered the Higgs boson did exist? I believe that will leave... Le no, that was awarded, yes the Nobel Prize for the Higgs boson. So there's amazing things going on in the, it's a, now a birth of gravitational wave astronomy. Where would that lead us? Says uh, astronaut, uh, astronomer, I don't have his first name here, but Huitzen, he says in quote, we can now focus on routine observation in space rather than trying to prove if gravitational waves exist. So they do exist. We've only been looking at the universe with our eyes, or so says Houston, but we've never heard the universe before. It looks impressive. It does. When you look up in the sky, we see all kinds of impressive things. But Houston says, in quote, but imagine when you start listening. So now we can listen. We're going to start listening to gravitational waves, and the next century, where will we be with this discovery? We can only wait. So... Thank you for listening. I've been talking about gravitational waves. Next week, I hope to continue on with the uh, small, small and large magic one at clouds. And if there's any updates to this gravitational wave discovery, I'll keep you up to date on it. So we talked about gravitational waves. 100 years, Einstein's um, anniversary. Isn't it exciting? A brand, brand new field of astronomy 
it's finally validated and we can listen in in the coming weeks, months, and years where will this lead us. This is Marco. You've been listening to AstroTalk on 101.9. Stupid thing. A Schwarzschild wormhole. Yes. Okay, what about this? Uh, me going on a date with Charlize Theron. No. Well, not at all. In, in no universe. No. In, in none of the infinite universes does that happen. No. It's completely beyond the bounds of scientific possibility is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Quick follow-up question. In any of those potential universes, am I the one rejecting her and that's why it doesn't work out? No. Realize that typing a response is difficult for me, correct? Okay, sure, yeah. It's just I'm trying to play this out because it just I'm just trying to see if there was any hypothetical hope. No. It doesn't matter. But, but never say never. Okay, if time travel were possible, would you want to go back in time and refuse to do this interview? Yes. You truly are an incredibly smart man.